0: Hello and welcome to Soaring to New Heights, this is your one-stop shop for all things women's footy in the brown and gold. You are listening to The Bench, this is our round four recap of the Hawthorne AFLW game against the Melbourne Demons.
1: My name is Tim and I'm joined by co-host Liam, how are you this evening Liam? Uh, I'm going well Tim, this won't be as fun as last week but should still be good fun because I'm recording with you.
0: Yes, exactly right. So the girls came up against a team that has been in absolutely rampaging form last year's Premiers. And we played them on our home deck at Frankston in what we were hoping was going to be our chance to climb to the top of Mount Everest. Unfortunately, Liam, that was not the case. We went into quarter time, only 14 points behind. Unfortunately, in the second quarter, we only added the one behind, while the Demons added another two goals. We kicked our only goal for the game in the third quarter, and then unfortunately, our fourth quarter, we were held scoreless. So, it ended up being a 59-point loss, but I would still say there were some promising signs. And in the words of one of the former Hawthorne coaches, who took over for a small period of time, in terms of Brendan Bolton, we saw a lot of green shoots.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, beating this Melbourne team for anyone outside the top two or three competitors is like summiting Everest with no supplies, no food, no water, no oxygen. Um, I picked them. We picked them in the season guide to potentially go undefeated. I went on Donny Hess's podcast before the season and said, I think they will go undefeated. They've done nothing to dissuade me of that so far. Uh, at the end of the day, you can tell it's two teams at very different stages of development. Melbourne are very good at football, and, but we showed plenty of positives. That's
0: exactly right. So Liam, in terms of the game, it was the Melbourne Demons 10 goals 10-70 beating the Hawthorne AFLW team 1 goal 5-11. We had Tilly Lucas Rod with 28 who was our main possession getter on the night. Jazz Fleming and Emily Bates with 21 apiece and Anya McDonald with 16. And Anya McDonough was our lone goal scorer for the game. Now, in terms of this, we're going to talk about the five main takeaways from the game. Takes up the name, the bench, because that's obviously how many players are on an AFL W bench. Five players. You'll have two points from Liam, two points from myself, and then one point from our fan engagement off of our socials. So, Liam, point number one, take
1: us away. Yep. And it's something I noticed a lot at the ground, especially because I was there. uh, It's size. Melbourne are an excellent team. They're a big team. They've got a lot of talented tools. You know, Georgia Campbell, Taylor Harris, Alyssa Bannon, Talia Gillard, Lauren Pierce, Eden Zanker, all played, all above 177. Yeah, you know, we had one fewer of that number. Yes, it sounds like a similar number. But, you know, we had one of them on the wing. You know, two rucks who rotated off the ground a bit more. Anya McDonough, who also rolled up to the wing at one point. Shepard was the winger, by the way. And then Mackenzie Eadley, who went off injured before halftime with what we believe from Beck Goddard's press conference. Was a concussion, um, but they were they were just so much bigger than us and in key positions as well. You know they took sixty-four to thirty-four marks. Contested marks was eleven to two, and they, their their size just killed us time and time again. And I especially want to talk about two tall forwards, Taylor Harris and Eden Zanka, with Emily Everest on the wing. We had one one defender taller than Kath Brown, who's one seventy-six centimeters, and is not exactly a key defender. That was Mackenzie Eadley. Brown was valiant and played really well, but she was giving up a lot of size to Eden Zanka, and it showed you know, in any time they went in the air. Unfortunately, Zanka was through no fault of Kath Brown beyond her genetics, Zanka was doing as she pleased in the air. Uh, Mackenzie Eadley. if I, if we were doing votes at half time, I can't speak for you, but she was definitely in my votes at half time if we were doing votes, because Taylor Harris was having no impact on that game when Mackenzie Eadley was on her. She was a blanket as she was in the practice match, actually, when she annihilated Taylor Harris. But unfortunately, she went off before halftime and we decided to keep Emily Everest on the wing. And what that left was a very small back line against a very tall forward line. And it showed. Their key forwards just completely took over the game in the second half. The effort was admirable, but against a team that's already better, more experienced, fitter and more cohesive, the size and strength difference showed. You know, they had two tools and a resting ruck and we had none in the second half.
0: Yeah, there were some, I guess, head scratches in terms of that because once Mac went off and you messaged me at halftime to say that she'd gone down the race and, uh, and into the change rooms and obviously didn't return after halftime. Not that it was noted by any of the commentators on the, uh, on the KO coverage, but it was fascinating because, as you said, we had Everest who was on the wing and stayed on the wing. And it was, whoa, what's going on? I think there was one stage where Sophie Locke, I think she was up against Taylor Harris or possibly uh, Eden Zenker. And you went, oh my goodness. Like the size difference was just stark. Huge. And you thought, why didn't we pull the pin? Why didn't we make that change in terms of sending Sherpa back? Because obviously we know that Emily Everest has the height. We know that she played that role. To a plum last season when she came in. And it would have been a wonderful opportunity for her to go up against two of the quality uh, key forwards in the AFLW. It would have been a, a wonderful chance for her to be able to stake her case because if Mackie is out concussed, uh, with concussion protocol, sorry, this week, and we also know that Tegan Cunningham is probably not going to be back, we're going to need another tool down there, which means we'll have to play Sherpa. In that back line, it would have been a wonderful opportunity to give her that half a game to be able to uh, to get back into the fold in terms of the, the defence, because we know that she's been playing her trade on the wing. And it was just, as I said, very, very stark watching it because you saw what quality tools can do. And I think at, at one stage, in terms of size, we didn't have anyone with any height in our forward line. We'd rolled on your up onto a wing. We were playing Lucy Wales one kick uh, in front of their forward 50. Almost as that, once the ball comes out, we've got that extra player there to be able to help try and cover. And something for us to uh, to consider as we come up against sides who've got these taller key forwards because we're not exactly blessed with height. Uh,
1: No, and Brisbane are thankfully a smaller forward line, although Dakota Davidson will be back and add some size, but yeah.
0: Point number two, Liam, and I want to talk about our Galway girl. I want to talk about Anya McDonough because I think this was probably her breakout game in terms of AFLW. Now, we talk about breakout game. We're talking about game number 10, I believe it is off the top of my head, Liam, maybe even less than 10. 16 disposals, seven of which were contested. She had five intercept possessions. As you said, she was rolling up onto the wing and helping out our midfield at times. 3 hitouts, three inside 50s, three marks for the game. She scored our only goal and laid two tackles. And this is from a player who did not grow up playing a game. And I just love the way watching Anya using her athletic prowess. We know that she's got a huge aerobic tank. We know, obviously, she's got height. She's got speed. She's not afraid of the tough stuff, as we saw, with almost half of her possessions being contested. And it it sort of left me thinking, were we robbing Peter to pay Paula? Because we had Anya in that forward line, was contesting. She was giving us a target, which we certainly needed. And she was able to use her pace to be able to continue to chase the opposition defenders when they had the possession. And then when we moved her onto the wing and we used her through that middle, she was doing a tremendous job, but unfortunately then we didn't have anyone to kick the ball too forward. So it was just something that I thought wasn't sure what the uh, what the thinking was because obviously Lou Watton would have loved to have had her in that forward line with Lou being our forwards coach. And I know David Mackay, DMAC, would have loved to have her in that midfield for the majority of the game as well because of the speed and the pace and, and the athletic abilities that she has. So something for us to consider this weekend, but I just thought in... Her tenth game of Australian rules football, she's done an absolutely tremendous job, at giving us not only a target but also being able to provide contest after contest as well.
1: Yeah, you've actually taken my second point, Willie. I've already come up with a don't with the alternatives, so don't worry. Um, this might, production reading might might be on, on order for next week, but um. But no, she was incredible. I thought she was our most dangerous player at the ground. You could tell, like, if we were going to score, it almost it looked like it almost had to go through her at times. Her goal was brilliant. 174 metres gained as well as another stat I'm going to add to that. But she was brilliant. I, I thought she was, possession for possession, the most impactful player we had. Certainly the one who looked the most dangerous. And maybe that's because she was on the side of the ground where I was a lot. But every time she got the football, it looked like something was happening. Happening, And, yes, you look at her stat sheet and it says 11 handballs. That doesn't tell the story. She was she was the one creating chances, getting into position, and feeding off teammates. Teammates were playing off Anya McDonough. and if you've got a centre half forward who can roll at the ground and be someone your teammates play off, and then kick goals the way she did, give her another two or three years, and you're looking at a really special key forward in this competition, I would say.
0: How good was that left foot snap, by the way, off the from the boundary? Absolutely tremendous, and never missing. No, no, it was going straight through the middle, which was absolutely wonderful to see. Point number three, Liam, this is our fan voted point off the socials.
1: Yeah, this has come from Matt. And he talked about the pressure, which albeit a tad patchy, he conceded was excellent. And for the most part, it was, you know, 79 tackles. You know, Bates again, leading the way. Matt also made the point about how she leads the way. And she does her and Bodia are real leaders out there. It's visible at the ground as well. Yeah, you know, she laid nine, Lucy Wales and Bridge Deed laid, or sorry, Bridge Deed laid seven, uh, Wales and Bodie each laid eight. And it also ties in as well with another point Matt made about one of your favorites.
0: Yeah. Chrissy Stratton, absolutely tremendous. The intensity she brings in, this was something that I brought up in round two, her attack on the opposition player with the ball is relentless. The effort she puts in, the pressure that she applies. She laid six tackles, one of which she came flying off the bench as the Ds were going to make their way into forward 50 to, to Lake, an absolutely massive tackle. I love the team pressure. I thought it was wonderful. The only issue we had, though, is that because we were going to the opposition player and trying to stop them, it meant that they then often had the outnumber over the top or over the back. And there was a few times that while we laid 79 tackles for the game, which was tremendous, there were a fair few times where we missed some really easy tackles. And unfortunately, because Melbourne are a very good team, you miss those one or two tackles. They walk through them. And then all of a sudden they've got 100 metres of space in front. And you're left with Kath Brown there with three opposition players. All of whom bigger than her as well. So Kath goes to one, which leaves two free. And it was, the pressure was great. And I think it's something that as we continue to see this team develop and continue to build the bonds is only going to get stronger. But I love the pressure. The issue we just now have to work on is while we had those 79 tackles for the game, which was wonderful, those one or two missed tackles that we had, unfortunately, because we had so many players going towards the ball carrier trying to stop them, meant that you had the outnumber on the outside. And even though Kinetic Stadium is not a very big stadium in terms of its width, if you can get on the outside, and you've got clear space and clear running in front, it's very, very difficult to defend.
1: Yeah, and I I will say, Melbourne on the break, when they're not playing your team, maybe, they're incredible to watch.
0: Oh, look, even when they were playing our team, Liam, very incredible to watch. I was sitting there watching with my two little munchkins, and Evie kept saying, why do they keep running? Why do they keep running? And I said, sweetheart, just watch what they're doing. What they are doing is what Hawthorne will be able to do in the not-too-distant future. Point number four, Liam, your second point.
1: Yep, the point I've just come up with right now. Brighty Hipwell. Uh, easily the best game she's played for us. You now, last year, came into the side, played six games, was, no, seven, I should say, was impressive, but also clearly very raw. Uh, to be honest, she's still a bit raw. Looking at her play, she's an undersized key forward who needs time to develop. That's fine. She's 19 years old. But this was a breakout game for her in a big way. This was a career game. 12 disposals is a career high. Her previous career high, by the way, was eight from last season. Uh, Seven kicks, five handballs. Three marks, one of which was a really strong contested mark. As well, nine contested possessions. Yes, okay, she only went at 42%. That's not ideal. That'll develop with time. Uh, Lettuce with three score involvements. 254 metres gained. And for a player who... We'll probably buy her an admission. Say so she's been fairly quiet this year, although has come up with a couple of magnificent moments. Hello, Western Bulldogs. How are you today? Uh, losing to Gold Coast, but um, no, she was excellent. This was the best game I've seen Bridie Hipwell play. If she can play like this every week, combined with the fact that she'll develop as you know someone who's you know she's only nineteen, uh, I think we might have got a bit of a slider on draft night. I think she's a real talent. And more performances like this, two inside 50s as well, I'll point out. She, again, like Anya McDonough, worked up the other side of the ground and linked the play really well. So you might not have noticed her as much because she was on the grandstand side of the ground a fair bit, being that right footer. But I thought she was excellent. And she didn't get in the votes for either of us for the game. Pretty hard to get in the votes as a forward when the ball kind of just makes it inside the 50 and then goes back out again. But, no, Bridie Hipwell... This was the best game of football I've seen her play by some distance. And I really, it got me really excited to see what she can do over the next 10 years, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I think Eric did a, a really good job uh, in terms of, as you said, in terms of the ball coming in and, and not coming in In terms of great for our forward line. It, it certainly didn't help. And I think one of the, uh, the big things was our efficiency going inside 50. We ran at 25.8% for the game whereas Melbourne ran at 73.3%. And you think, yep. we actually had more inside 50s than Melbourne did.
1: I'd love to see an inside 30 count, though. I reckon and that might be locked quite the other way.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. So, while Brady did a tremendous job, it would have been wonderful if we would have been able to get the ball into more dangerous and, and better positions for her. And hopefully that's what we'll see this weekend. When the team comes up, uh, against another rampaging team in terms of the Brisbane Lions.
1: Yeah, just casually went and beat North Melbourne in Tassie as no one has ever done before. So That's all right. Look, when we knock them off at Kinetic Stadium, Liam,
0: we can say we beat them in Frankston, which no one can say yeah. they've done before.
1: Yeah, we're using the paid account because that's not going to be within a 40-minute call if we win that one. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's exactly right. Now we get to the last point, Liam. This is my second point, and I want to talk about the speed in the midfield. So, When we named Bridget Deed in that midfield, I know you were super excited and I thought it's wonderful to see Bridget in there because we know that she sets real high standards in terms of the team. We know that she's been doing an absolutely tremendous job behind the the scenes and was getting her first look in terms of senior football for this season. The one problem we ended up having, and this is something that we probably need to continue to work on in terms of our midfield, Emily Bates, Taylor Lucas, Rod, Bridget Deed are not electric in terms of their foot speed. Incredibly talented players, but when it comes to that line breaking speed, not necessarily what we have. not what I wrote down was that speed kills because the Demons use speed for most of the evening where they got intercepts and turned them into scores or, like we spoke about before, stepping through a tackle, hitting a player and taking off, whether it was on the wing, through the middle... In terms of our our midfield speed jazz fleming has blistering pace and we saw it once again she did an absolutely phenomenal job i love the way that she takes the game on charlotte bascarin has great pace as well playing more of an outside role more of a half forward role so far this season and i wonder if it's time where we start looking at rolling charlotte Bascaran or christy stratton through that midfield a bit more so that we have one or possibly even more in and around the contest at all times because That speed that they bring, both in attack and defense, I think is really, really important and something for us to look at. And the other one that we've been rolling through at times is Aileen Gilroy. Now, we know that Aileen had been hampered by hamstring tightness and awareness uh, during the preseason. And while she's coming back to full health, she's not able to impact in terms of that zip that she had last year at the present stage something for us just to continue to look at and to work at, because I think if we can get a bit more of that speed going through the midfield, it then complements the likes of your Tilly and your bridge uh, and also your Emily Bates, who we know are really great at getting the ball at the source.
1: Yeah. I mean, I agree. But again, are we robbing Peter to the pay puller if we put Carol in there? Because then who do we deploy on the wing? Um, I think we might need – we do we probably need another speedy midfield or two just on the list. I thought Bridge Deed was actually quite good individually. Yes, seven tackles, used the ball well, but just needed a bit more game time and needed some – you need a – certain players need – midfields need balance again. Bridge Deed and Jazz Fleming together are a really good combination. I want to see more of that. Um, but, yeah, again, speed in the midfield. Hawthorne, we have draft concessions. Go pre-list Laura Stone, please. She was amazing yesterday in the, in the um, NAB League Girls Grand Final.
0: That indeed she was. We now move on to our quick quick thoughts, which are your thoughts from our social media channels. Leadership. And this one comes from Matt, and he spoke about the leadership experience and guidance that both Emily Bates and Greta Bodie are bringing to our young team.
1: 100% very visible at the ground as well. Uh, Braden talked about how both teams were inaccurate. Perhaps we could have been a touch closer. Always an interesting thought. And uh, Jazz Fleming is a Jet.
0: Yes, absolutely I actually agree with Braden Because we had a few opportunities uh, Christy Stratton had a shot from about 30 I think it was in the First quarter I think it might have been First quarter,
1: second quarter We were kicking to the beach That so would have been the first
0: First quarter She had a shot from about 30 That just fell short And you think We hit that We go into uh, quarter time Two goals to one down Confidence is a big thing So yeah. I, I agree with Braden there we, uh, we could have been a touch closer. The intent in the first half was fantastic, but we ran out of legs in the second half, and that's from Braden as well.
1: Yeah, almost like we're a young team. Has had one full preseason. Uh, disposal efficiency from Monique hurting us a bit. Yep, uh, can't really argue with that. Uh, a couple of quick points that I quickly added there is like for a sentence. This was easily Lucy Wales' best game so far, I thought. Um, Looks like she's starting to build some momentum, and we already talked about that last point that was on the list about Bridge Deed looking good, but needing more time and needing to manage her fit carefully. That's Not correct. her fit, her fit with other midfielders to be make sure everyone heard me clearly, how she fits with other midfielders.
0: Yeah, and it's that balancing act in terms of that midfield that we spoke about because you need to have the players who can get the ball at the source, but we also need to have a bit of that line-breaking speed that's always positive, regardless of if you're playing on a stadium like Mars in Ballarat or if you're playing at a kinetic stadium where if you get those chances to use that corridor... If you've got the speed to do so, it uh, enables the forwards to have a, a much better opportunity.
1: Yep. Anyway, so Tim, for the second last time before we lock the doors and go to the awards night only, can you please read out the best and fairest votes for round four, please?
0: So we had nine votes going to our skipper, Tilly Lucas Rod. We had eight votes going to Jasmine Fleming. Six votes to our Galway girl in Anya McDonough. Five votes to Charlotte Baskaran and two votes to Lucy Wales.
1: Yeah, and a question I raised to you in our chat earlier, by the way, is Caitlin Ashmore going to win the Chantella Pereira Award by default?
0: Well, look, Liam, we're only 40% of the way through the season. We sit here at the end of next week at 50% into the season, and Caitlin Ashmore is still the only player to have a 10-vote game. Then we're looking at it could be a possibility, but at the moment I think we've still got time on our side
1: hope so because that's a fun that's always a fun debate that award
0: it certainly is that now brings us Liam to the end of this episode but before you leave if you haven't already liked us on our socials whether it's at HFC Soar on Twitter and Instagram or Soaring to New Heights on Facebook please make sure to give us a like and a follow on there and if you haven't already make sure to like and follow us on your favorite podcast provider make sure you click the little bell at the top that alerts you to any content coming out from Soaring to New Heights be the bench podcast where we recap the games or if it's one of our player interviews, because here at Soarington New Heights, we are your one-stop shop for all things women's footy in the brown and gold.
1: Yep. Yeah, we play Brisbane next Sunday at one o'clock on the 1st of October, 3 or 5 PM. It's at Frankston, all the usual coverage with the bench after the game, bit of, bit of action on the socials from time to time. it will be difficult because at least one of us will be there uh because and we are really your one-stop shop for all things women's footy in the brown and gold if you want to talk about Hawthorne with female programs be they AFLW and VFLW and that's relevant we are the ones who will be doing it for you a uh, little side note as well by the way the CBA is now in action so it's a little bit in, quick bit of news the CBA is there we're working some sources to try and get our hands on a copy so we can review it well correction so I can review it and then we can talk about it um in terms of talking hawks there's plenty of content looks like coming there about the trade and the draft so Timmy and I play our trade there as well. Go check them out. And uh, Timmy, you got anything else before we call it a night?
0: I think it's quite nice, Liam, that we're actually getting a game that is in a suitable time for families. 3.05 p.m. Sunday afternoon. The weather's going to be 26 degrees, according to Sonia Marinelli from Channel 7 tonight. So if that's the case, hopefully we see a really good crowd down there at Kinetic Stadium because unfortunately the AFL have not been too kind in terms of time slots Uh, 5 5 p.m in frankston on a friday evening certainly isn't the best time slot for being able to get fans to games and we know that in terms of the cba one of the points that was released to the media to discuss was that depending on crowd attendance and viewership will depend on how many games end up being in a season
1: yeah self-sabotage the afl speciality
0: that's it. Hopefully, Andrew Dillon is not as good at it as Gillen McLaughlin was. Yeah,
1: I'll believe all that when I, I'll believe it when I see it with the AFL. I'm
0: not... <laughs> that now brings us to the end of the bench, where we have recapped the round four game between the Hawthorne AFLW team and the Melbourne Demons. And until next time, go the Hawks.